0: Welcome to the Software Lifecycle Stories podcast. We bring you stories of what worked and sometimes what did not in the course of discovering, designing, developing, delivering, and using software-based solutions as shared by practitioners who went through these situations.
1: In this episode of the Software Lifecycle Stories, my colleague Milind and I Chitra from Park Consulting explore Milind's career experiences through 35 plus years in the software industry as he built Pascal compilers and assemblers, faced complex situations with interoperability and proprietary protocols in the early days of computing, being stumped by localization requirements, and his love for learning the intricacies of software and algorithms. Milind also shares his travels along the road to becoming a coach and a deep passion for Sanskrit. Listen on. We apologize for some extraneous sounds in the initial few minutes of the episode. The later part is much better. But I feel that this conversation is still worth listening to for Milind's insights and stories. Good morning, Milind. Thank you so much for being a podcast guest on the Software Lifecycle Stories. It's great to have you here as a colleague on the show. So we usually start by asking our guests to introduce themselves. Would request you and invite you to please introduce yourself for our listeners.
0: Uh, let me uh, start with from where I got into this uh, computers. You know, I did my uh, bachelor of engineering from JTI in Mumbai. This is one of the prestigious institutes, and uh, in, uh, in those days, computers were pretty uh, uh, uncommon. They're not really heard of too much, although as you know, engineering students one would hear about it. And I was actually somehow fascinated by the word computer, but there was no course offered in computer engineering or computer science at at uh, bachelor level. So I selected the next best uh, option, which was electrical engineering. And uh, but, I, but you know, somewhere in my mind, I wanted to learn about computers. In the third year of engineering, I got to learn about uh, the photon language, and we had one small mini computer in Vijaydhar, yeah. and uh, I used to visit the computer center, look at uh, the mini computer, which used to occupy a hall there, <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, we started learning com- computer programming using the punching car punch cards, and uh, it, it, it looked very interesting, you know, working with uh, algorithms and uh, teaching the uh, computer how to perform the operation that you wanted it to perform and you know that was a good experience and uh, it was like you was know, first uh, uh, touch with computer in my life and i liked it in the sec- in the last year of engineering i got introduced to digital electronics and we got into integrated circuits and uh, you know designing uh, flip flops which are the basic parts of the computer, computer circuitry, uh, you know, subsequently, you know, we learned about uh, you know, the basics of uh, computers and uh, that was the year also, you know, the Intel was coming up with microprocessors and we got introduced to using microprocessors, doing some assembly programming and that world are really Kind of you know was fascinating to me, and I, I said that look, this is what I want to learn. I I was an electrical engineer, and I had learned things like you know electrical circuits and uh, generators, transformers, motors, electrical distribution systems, and relays and whatnot. But that world did didn't you know didn't appeal to me. I I said no no I don't belong to this. I really want to get into this world of digital electronics and computers and stuff like that. And uh, when I got my, you know, completed my degree, I was not really happy with my degree. I was not, I said, I'm not where I should be. And that time, uh, computer science was offered as a M.Tech level course or master's level degree level course in IIT. And I said, yes, this is something I want to do. This is what I want to learn. And then it was, you know, a bit competitive to get into M.Tech computer science because it was an interdisciplinary course. Anybody with any, any background of engineering could appear for the, apply for that course so there was a tough aptitude test which had to be clear so when I uh, this was the year uh, 1981 and about 800 or so people appeared for the entrance test and out of the 25 got selected and I was fortunate to be selected at that time and I got into and then that's where I really you know I when I got into IIT I really felt that that's something where I belonged, and that's uh, the, uh, the subject that I really wanted to learn. I wholeheartedly threw myself into the studies. Two years, I enjoyed learning computers, the hardware, the software. And in course of the uh, learning, I realized that I had an aptitude for software, which is much, much better than the hardware. And, um, you know, working with algorithms came naturally to me. And uh, I, I learned... Uh, Around that time, the movement for structured programming was gaining momentum, and uh, I learned from the pioneers of structured programming, and the great computer scientists like Edgar uh, Dastra and on. And that was very impressive, the theory of programming languages was pretty, pretty uh, good subject for me to get into. Things like algorithm, data structures really, really appealed to my, uh, my intellect, and uh, really got into it. I was happy to really... Do those two years of mtech course, and then uh, I got into TCS. It was an upcoming company at the time. Today TCS is around four lakh people, but uh, but it uh, way back in 1983 it was 700 people company when I joined it, and uh, I worked with some interim computers. You know, as a as a part of my mtech thesis, I had. Uh, uh, on creation of pascal compiler for a upcoming machine which was being designed by one of the indian companies and that was a special project iit was handling and i was part of creating system software for uh, that machine and as a part of that i was i created a pascal compiler you know that was a pretty ambitious project and uh, gave me deep insights into system software and compilers in particular the you know, compiler is a pretty complex software to uh, really you uh, know Bring about—it's very ambitious task. Now, this is the way of uh, uh, writing compilers, and uh, I we studied uh, the theory of uh, compilers very well. And uh, period I, I I haven't forgotten you know the grammar of Pascal language, and uh, you know how to handle that grammar and uh, really uh, you know process it you uh, know from a machine's uh, perspective. You know, I wrote, my compiler was able to generate the, the machine code for a 68,000 base processor machine. And uh, I could read that machine code also, you know, guy. Like, but you know, uh, when I showed it to somebody saying that this is what my company is capable of doing, and there's a series of zeros and ones it generated. I said, how would you know it is? As you don't have a machine ready on which you can run the program, right? So how would one know that what you are, the series of zeros and ones that you are generated is, is a program that is, actually was translated correctly? And uh, thinking of that challenge, I wrote a de-assembler, you know, converting machine language program into assembly language. And I could demonstrate from given a source code how that uh, assembly code was matching with that, how it will work correctly. So you know, that was uh, something. Uh, you know, writing code was something that came very naturally. And I also realized that there's a beauty in writing a code in a code in a particular way. You know, the code that is easy to understand, the code that systematically follows the logic of the mind. And that is kind of a clean code, writing a clean code which can be easily read, can be easily maintained, it can be easily explained. And that is something, you know, kind of gave the pleasure of, of creating a beautiful creation. And I was deeply into structured programming. And um, when I joined TCS, uh, the kind of programs which I wrote and at times they used to be shown to people as to how a good program should be, how, you know, you know, the, the program that you write is a reflection of the way you think, and that, that's that's really, you know, the, something that uh, I was pretty happy with, so write so to think correctly and then get uh, get the program to so, that. Uh, getting a program to was gave me uh, like a pleasure of uh, doing some good creation. You know, and uh, that is where I started in my career, so, uh, from system software, I moved on to networking area, then there on to the enterprise applications area, and, uh, you know, we really you know, had a good career. I particularly will mention my assignment with one European company, actually, and I won't put the name here, but it was a, a European uh, telecom company. And uh, in that area, you know, the networking was just coming up. Uh, the ISO had just defined the OSI model for interconnection of uh, computers and uh, before OSI was defined they, this company was had its own proprietary model for interconnection and uh, uh, in those days uh, different computer manufacturers had their own proprietary uh, technology protocols so the computers of one manufacturer would not talk to the computers of another manufacturer. Right, so yep. if the IBM computers, IBM would talk to its own uh, computers only, but it would not talk to the computers from Burroughs or Data General or uh, any other uh, DEC or somebody like that. So it was difficult to have applications run on computers of multiple vendors. Uh, so in that area, we th- this company thought of bringing uh, interoperability through network. In the sense that, the computer would be hooked on to the net, uh, uh, network node. The network node will interact with the uh, computer which is connected in its native protocol, translate into a network protocol and put the system uh, information out on the network. At the receiving end, other node would receive it, convert it into the local protocol of the other uh, machine and talk, talk to it. So that way, the message from IBM would could get connected to Boros and vice versa. So, so bringing the interoperability, through networking it was a brilliant idea that they were working with, and I was a part of a network uh, node uh, so- software that I was part of the operating system for the network node, and that was a great project to really work with. And uh, uh, you know, we created that network operating system and uh, uh, you know brought about that product to life. Unfortunately, that product did uh, do well in the marketplace. And, uh, in course of, I worked on it for more than two years, and after that, uh, the company withdrew it from the market. And then it just didn't make the money for the, that company.
1: Very uh, interesting, uh, Melan, because uh, yeah. uh, networking with common protocols today is so seamless.
0: Yeah, this is uh, before TCPIP came into existence. You know? So after that, in the standard protocols like PCPIP came about and interoperability was much easier. But the way you know, we were going what in that year, I, today we look, look back at it and smile at it That's you know, so how it was so difficult at the time.
1: Very interesting. Very interesting. Thank yeah. you. So what's been, you know, a, a challenging customer escalation situation in your experience? You know what are some of the lessons that you can share with people uh, with respect to customer management?
0: I think one of the key things here is uh, your rapport with the customer at you at a personal level. The representative of customers and you. You know we should know each other as uh, real life human beings, right? And be transparent about whatever it is. Um, no way. Uh, one thing is that you are a supplier because you have certain strength. They have selected you because they have seen something good in you, right? So that is why you need to be clear on what they have selected you for, and then ensure that that is reinforced. One thing. Second thing is that there will be problems. Uh, in my software life uh, that I have been through, there was there were problems. I mean, we were working. We, you know, uh, one of my companies had a Great software for general insurance companies. It was a big enterprise scale product, and it was customized for every individual customer. And uh, when during customization, there would, you know, as the nature of software, there will be some problems created, and we have to take care of. And you know, when it happens before acceptance test, it is much easier. You, you the problems are expected. They are reported. They are duly really taken care of, and that is fine. But when the, when you put a system out in production and then you have a problem, you have a tough time. You know, that's, that's, that's a nightmare. You know, you, I, I, even today I don't want to live with that experience of having a uh, you know, customer breathing down your neck saying, looking at what are you doing? This is a problem. We have to fix it fast. And you are really working hard and seeing what can be done, uh, experimenting with it, trying to find out what's the reason and then you know getting into it and uh, creating a patch which can go which needs to go as soon as possible. So that, um, but then important thing is to be transparent about it. Share the information as you, uh, you know, keep people updated on what are you doing about the problem, where are you, how much time it will take, and so that they can manage their own system, side. So when there's a problem, everybody is in the problem. It's the customer and you both are in the problem. And the important thing is to be together as a team. You know, that's the same thing that you want to promote always. If there are issues, we will handle it. We are behind. We will not go home unless it's resolved. Don't worry about it. Yeah. They also have to have confidence. Okay, they are being supported by a good uh, supplier. So that's been one of the things really. In uh, no, in one of my uh, projects for UK government, we had created a critical application system for them, and uh, it was one of the benefit system that uh, had to go live on a particular day. The government had announced that day in the parliament and. Uh, we had to deliver it on on that day and you know the amount of whatever acceptance that you do, you still are short of facing the real life situation and here the you know usually in a production system you want to uh, release a production uh, to users in a a controlled manner. In the sense that you want to see some users, pilot users succeeding with it and then you expand it and then you expand it here we didn't have that option. It was like on that day you have to open the floodgates. The entire population will say it, and your system should work. My goodness, that
1: must have been such a challenge
0: for you, Melinda. Absolutely, that was one of the biggest challenges. You know, there is such a pressure that you are under when you are uh, releasing the system on that particular hour at that particular day, and there'll be issues. There were many issues, but uh, fortunately, you know, we were uh, fully prepared to handle them. In, two, three, in a couple of days, we really stabilized the system. And after a few days, it was running so smoothly that, you know, the customer was happy. We were ecstatic. <laughs> and we so had a good part, yeah.
1: <laughs> So in some sense, you actually did a release at scale right away.
0: Yes, yes. yes. You know, I wouldn't advise doing it really, <laughs> to but, <laughs> but But sometimes there are situations you can't avoid, you know.
1: Yeah, no, it reminded me that a few years ago, you know, a large e-commerce company, Also made a big bang sale in line with a particular festival, you know, in the hope of uh, targeting a large number of customers. And we all know what kind of problems they ran into. But this was, uh, I suppose, took a lot of courage, guts. You know, to put a system out there is not easy to yeah, I mean, have, you know, thousands of
0: users. In fact, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't advise that being courageous. <laughs> I myself am not but there was no option. You know, there was just no option. You had to do it. Okay,
1: nice. Very nice. So, you know, what, what do you think has been the toughest situation that you've had to face in your career?
0: In fact, there are many requirements, not just one. You know, in the 35 years of software career, you would go to you know, tough situations multiple times. I'll tell you one the instance where you know I was working with a customer in the Middle East, and uh, you know I was the project leader. Um, somebody before me had uh, done and done uh, the broader level of requirements, I vendor and uh, refined them further. Came back, developed uh, the system. And the system was uh, about you know there was a mainframe computer, central mainframe computer, nonstop machine, on which uh, there was a population data, and that population so everybody's data was there on the central computer. And uh, the system was like this that there was in each of the hospitals there would be a computer by itself, which will talk to the central. When a patient comes to a hospital, it will talk to the central computer, get the data downloaded, and then his health record will be created and Whatever you know is required will be done, uh, and uh, the uh, the whatever updates are there will be uh, updated back to the central computer. So that way, uh, a person can go to any of the hospitals anywhere, and his red data would be available on the hospital's computer at at that time. So the, I have I was in charge of creating that communication system, and uh, I worked, and there was again you know it was it was the same heterogeneous world which I uh, described before, and uh, we found some protocol which was common to both the machines. We used it, and uh, it know uh, we, uh, we, we developed software accordingly. I took the system to customer site, demonstrated it. They said, "Okay, this looks like it looks good, uh, but um, we need uh, data to be displayed in Arabic."
1: Ah, My okay. goodness,
0: you know, that was which record it was not given to any, uh, anybody I didn't know how the Arabic script looks like <laughs> 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 oh goodness and you know I spent two days studying uh, the Arabic uh, script and um, looking at the uh, ASCII codes which was uh, you know supporting the Arabic display and uh, you know uh, then you know, once you know uh, how to you know display those things on the terminal, and, and within three four days' time, we got it ready and delivered. But that was kind of, <laughs> I don't know how anybody missed that specific doing that uh, requirement when the requirement was collected. And it was, it was a crisis like the system had to go live within eight ten days' time, and then uh, you are looking at a major requirement being, you know, not being fulfilled you know so was this
1: in the times before localization became a standard across requirements because by the time Correct. let's say we stepped into the software industry internationalization and localization were part of a checklist Correct.
0: of any requirements yeah, that was, you were developing before much for. before that you know so i could narrate you another instance where you know uh, i was sent and uh, i was working in my initial days uh, innings with TCS we were working on the the, the interoperability of this, this computers and The customer had bought one software for the hospital, which was called Laboratory Information Management System, LIMS. And somehow, they said their data was not getting transferred to the hospital's computer. And those guys were pretty confident that they had no problem on their side. They said, this is a product, and this is working at any number of customers elsewhere. It is something with your setup which is causing a problem. And I was sent to, you know, look at what the problem is, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, using my whatever rudimentary scale, uh, setup at, they had at that time, I figured out that it, uh, the the application system was indeed sending the data out, but it was not getting received on the other main computer of the hospital. So there's a problem with the communication. So looking at how the, the thing is, and if, uh, the data was getting sent by the application, not received by the computer. So in between we had to see how how the, where, where was getting data lost mm-hmm. using certain tech, uh, instruments, I figured out that uh, there is some issue with the protocol and then started tinkering with, you know, uh, you know I was sent as an expert and uh, one day went by, two days went by and I was nowhere near the solution, people were doubting, what are you guys, you guys are doing? Are, are you, really, do you really understand what the problem is? I said, look, I have not understood what the problem is. But there's a problem, I know which area to look into, I'll systematically look into it and find out. On the third day, I figured out that the problem was the timing of the pro- in the protocol. I tweaked it, uh, uh, tweak the problem, uh, the timing a little and found that data was kind of uh, getting, you know, it was appearing on the network and kept coming at the receiving it. And then that I really understood what the problem was, uh, experimented with it found the right value for that uh, t- timing should be and then made it on, the whole system came to life in no time and started running, you know, data get started ex- getting exchange left, right, center and was, I invited them to see how it was and everybody was so ecstatic, you know, the problem was resolved and that was a great experience.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I mean, was, I can only imagine what you went through in those 48 hours until you cracked this problem. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice incident that uh, you've shared with us. You know, one thing that I realized in this conversation is that very often understanding what stakeholders want or customers want uh, can be different across different cultures. Have you had any experiences, you know, apart from the one you described, and uh, what is it that you would like to uh, recommend or share with our listeners in terms of how to understand people or stakeholders from different cultures? And what is it that, you know, one can do better while engaging with them?
0: You know, what, uh, wherever you may be in the world, I think um, finally the people are human you know, beings that eventually, uh, you, you But you've to understand that certain uh, cultures uh, work in certain different ways. Okay. Uh, so if you are working with you know people in America, so they are pretty friendly. They usually don't not want to offend you, so they won't uh, you know talk to you angrily or something. But there are ways they will exp- you know they can uh, indicate their you know displeasure uh, or something, and you need to understand that how to they really take those things. You might have seen that many times if you are talking to Americans, and you ask a question. Which they don't have answer to. Usually they say, "Ah, that's a good question." <laughs> right? <Yes. laughs> so, so you 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 have to you have to understand such things and get the signals. Okay, and um, and accordingly adjust your way of behavior. There's no uh, easy way of it. I think you, you need to, one needs to be really you know educated properly. Like you know, just uh, a standard thing like Indians say yes or you know you move the neck in such a manner, head in such a manner, that whether you are saying yes or no is not really understood by the people. Whereas in Western world, you move the head vertically, you mean say yes. But mm-hmm. in, our, uh, in our country, people may move the head horizontally and still mean yes. Right? <laughs> so, so, so these are the kind of thing, differences that one has to be really aware of you know, and uh, adjust oneself accordingly. But the most important thing is that, uh, there will be cultural differences. At times, you will be uh, some. You may misunderstand people. But important thing is to really get into understanding what they really mean. Understand where you made a mistake in understanding them and adjust yourself accordingly. There will be there will be situations which we are facing for the first time, and they can kind of lead to misunderstanding. But you know, be open to finding those misunderstandings and adjusting yourself. That is that is the thing.
1: There will be a lot of differences like that. That was nice, you know? very nicely said, Milan. Thank you. From being a systems engineer and uh, through your career, what are some of the roles that you have, you know, taken on, and what have been some of your experiences in those roles, and how did you make this transition to being a coach?
0: Uh, you know, Chitra, the, uh, you know, we were part of the industry which grew very, very fast. You know, you remember, you would not have seen, but uh, it is uh, the, ind- the the software industry in India was mostly, you know, supplying the skills, and that kind of kind of uh, you know, it was easy business. So, and it grew very fast. You know, many people in the Western world realized that you you can have good engineers at much uh, lesser cost from India. And uh, so we were kind of, you know, very well in demand in western part of the world as well as from companies like Australia and etc. In fact, uh, you know, around that time, around 90s, I wanted to settle in India and wanted to have a better job in India. And anywhere I applied, they wanted to send me abroad. So, so that was the kind of scene. And uh, this industry grew very, very fast at the time. And I wanted to be best in India and uh, wanted to have a good uh, kind of a manager role for myself. I had grown from became being a programmer, to project leader, to project manager. And I was looking at, you know, a little senior role than that. That's about eight years experience in, in the industry. And uh, I was not able to get a kind of job that I would like to. Everybody wanted to send me abroad as a, uh, you, know, you know, body shopping assignment. And then... One company offered me the kind of job that I was looking for as a, as a systems consultant and working with a uh, you know uh, senior level uh, responsibility for turnkey projects and so on, which I gladly accepted and worked with it. But you know, they, uh, I, I was kind of uh, coming from engineering background, and but the company did help in more into sales and marketing, and uh, I didn't consider that as a, my strength. But I said, okay, that is something like important for business, so I have to learn this thing as well. So started getting into self-support kind of assignments, and about a, more than a year down in that kind of role, uh, I was asked to see, to uh, take charge of the new office being opened in Europe. So I was asked to take charge of that office in Europe and do to the business development. Well... Uh, I, I, I was not really keen on doing that in a, in a foreign country because I was just learning that that in India. Uh, but then uh, there was no other alternative. So I accepted assignment and went there and went there in the middle of a recession. So it was not their business to be really achieved. But somehow we, with a good effort, we broke into getting some business and establishing office there. Getting the business and uh, running the office by, on its own. So, so that was the kind of great experience, you know, in getting. But I realized that I was better managing the back end, supporting the front end sales people, and uh, getting the sale executed was kind of. You know, I thought that was my my strength. And the next role that I took up was uh, kind of a director of engineering in a California-based company. It was a product company, and uh, the world of products really, you know, was. Something which uh, attracted uh, this uh, this company had a project management software on a Unix platform, and development uh, they were trying to do the development in India and sell it in uh, US for Fortune 500 customers. Their experience with getting software developed in developed in India was not very intelligent. Somehow the distributed team concept, which was, you know, pretty new at the time. In fact, this was one of the pioneering efforts that I know of doing uh, development in India, or partly doing a development in India and partly in the US and then, you know, launching the product. You no, know, uh, and they were not really getting the right kind of uh, things developed in India. And I was, I was uh, when I was told about it, I said, why, why is that so? Because in TCS, we do it. Like, we have customers located across the globe and we go there, do the requirement analysis, come back, develop, and deliver. So Why can't you guys do it? He no, no, products are a different world. It's, it's not that, you know, the, we, we need to change and stuff like that. So it's not that easy. I said, that you, whether you easy or not, either people, around that time, Motorola had developed, uh, had uh, created a development center in India. Texas Instruments had developed, created a development center in India. I said, look guys from, uh, uh, Americans are setting up uh, development houses in India. And uh, these founders of this company were all Indians. The new Indians were, the new new Indian culture. I said, you guys are Indians and you have better connections with India. So you should be able to do it very well as well. He said, Millidy, do you want to come on board and take charge of this? We will welcome you. So I, with that challenge I got in and then, uh, you know, it was a, uh, and, and software product companies work a lot differently. And this was a kind of startup. So it really worked with a lot of energy and um, meeting the demands of the startup command, uh, for startup organization from somewhere in India uh, with a time zone difference of 12 hours. I realized that that was actually a challenge. But then we, uh, I realized that the key thing is to you know uh, go about it in a bit of an agile way. And this was much before agile was uh, agile came into you know existence as agile. But certain practices were being, uh, being uh, uh, talked about in the industry, and I realized that yes, that is something that is important. And the key thing here is the very close communication. Former an integrated company, uh, integrated a team. A part of team located our in US and part of team located in India work in integrated manner on a daily basis, exchange your uh, uh, information on daily basis, and keep in touch with each other and see to it that you're really delivering it correctly. And with the close communication between on site part and uh, component and the offshore component, we finally managed to all the process by which deliveries were uh, which were being delivered from India were kind of acceptable to the American uh, teams as well things work, that uh, experiment worked. so the company started offshoring more and more work here. And very soon, you know, when I joined that company in India, we had, you know, about 10 people, including me and my secretary. And in, in course of time, you know, in three years' time, it was like 100 people, 50 people company working in India. And we eventually managed to transfer not just engineering stuff, but also the support stuff to India. So except for sales and marketing, all other activities of the company got transferred offshore. That was a kind of a great uh, achievement that for for us, you know.
1: So from this experience, how did you move on to, you know, becoming a coach and then, you know, get to where yes. you are today?
0: Actually, this is a long journey. This was, you know, uh, this company I had worked with, uh, you know, I left them in around 1999. Uh, after that, okay. work. I know, to what we uh, today know as Tech Mahindra for some time, and uh, and then also I was invited to another startup, and uh, there I worked for four years. Again, that startup uh, didn't do well, uh, although engineering-wise we are doing uh, very well. So, if we, uh, but then I joined Apple, uh, joined Accenture. I was with Accenture for six and a half years, looking at uh, part of their public service division. Then I came into C N C Corporation. that was a subsidiary of T C S. And TCS uh, merged to CMC in year 2015. So CMC got merged into TCS. And uh, I came to TCS uh, in 2015. I had uh, some projects which I was handling in CMC. After after uh, I was through with them, there was no work for me in TCS. You know, uh, the senior level positions were all filled up. And they didn't uh, want another uh, general manager. Uh, They didn't have. for a general manager and for some time I was doing absolutely doing nothing and there was no formal assignment uh, given to me and uh, I kind of uh, did like the situation that I was in and I decided that we have to do something about it. So I wrote to all the business unit heads that uh, look this is what my background is, this is where I, you know around that time I was, uh, you know before getting into this, I was, uh, I had uh, run a one of my companies. I had run a, uh, special initiative for project management competency development. Another part of that, uh, I had got a, about more than 300 people PMP certified in one and a half years time. And I thought that that is something that TCS would value. So project management skills is something that all companies need. And I said, look, I can help you guys with project management. But uh, by but uh, around that time, like in on 1516, 16, TCS had kind of uh, made a commitment that we, they will adopt the agile techniques more and more, so they were not really interested in uh, looking at project management. And you know, one of the things that I was specific, specifically uh, interested in, and this is something which not many people uh, have studied, is, uh, is an area called organizational project management maturity. You know, PMI has a special standard for it, it's called OPM3. All right, so I was part of a uh, Volunteers team, which contributed to the development of Open3, and that is something I thought that TCS would like to get deeper into, but TCS was not interested in. Nobody in TCS was interested in. And in one of the business heads that I wrote to, asked me, "Can you help us with Agile adoption?" Agile, I I had experimented with it since for about you know since the days I was with that startup company from US doing project management software. So, and even in Accenture, I have, we had um, played with Agile Techniques, in CMC also, I had uh, we were teaching Agile Techniques. But I had not worked as a coach, but I said, okay, uh, I, I'll tell you what I know, and we can discuss what your requirements are, and we can decide whether I can take it up as a coach or something. And the uh, key problem it was described to me is that, Look, we have adopted Agile. This six months down the road, I uh, you know we have made a commitment to it. We have got our prepared trained on Agile. But I you know the, the unit had told me that I do not see real, uh, you know, uh, transformation in the team. I, I don't think that we really understood what Agile is. and all the people are going through the motions of, you know, following Scrum. Trip. I said, okay, I think I understand what a, uh, what you want. Let me look at the teams and see whether I can really help you or not. And then I, when I interacted with the teams, I realized the problem. Yes, they were following Scrum. They were doing the DSM the daily were meeting. The heart of DSM, the real thing that, you know, DSM should achieve is not being achieved because they are not really understood about DSMs. They are going through the motion of DSM, but not really really, uh, understanding that this is something what Scrum advises us was opportunity to inspect and adopt. So, what is inspect? What is an adapt, adoption? That is something that they had to understand. And that's I realized, I realized what I needed to do. And I accepted assignment. And uh, kind of become an agile coach. And uh, the key thing was to really explain to people what are the values and principles, and how they how they come to life you know, through various practices that we follow. So, how was the interview should be like? How was prospective prospect should be like? So, these are things that once they were understood by the people. I think the real life agility came into picture. That is uh, so that's, uh, that's how I transitioned to becoming a agile coach.
1: Thank you, Milan. Very interesting story. So, one last question before we wind up this particular podcast. If it yes. hadn't been for software, what would you have done?
0: Um, I, um, look, I uh, describe myself as somebody who was born in software. <laughs> 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 so, there's, there's nothing else that I would have done professionally, really. But if you ask for the interest, I would say I am uh, very much uh, uh, interested in Sanskrit as a language, and uh, I like Sanskrit. I have studied a bit of Sanskrit, I like reading it, and that is something you know that uh, studying Sanskrit or studying literature in Sanskrit is a pleasure. it's a treasure of uh, available for us. In, I think all Indians uh, should you know learn Sanskrit. Really, there's a it's a language which gives you know joy when you actually use it. You know, you know Sanskrit is described as a devavani. and I have uh, no doubt about it. It's like you know, it, uh, when you use Sanskrit, you you are at a you are at a higher level of consciousness. It's, it's a different experience. But it's it's a nice language, great language to, and uh, I really love it. So in fact, I would really uh, you know uh, want to advise. Today, Sanskrit is being recognized as one of the powerful languages even with the use of computers, right? So, so that's a great language to really look at. And uh, something that will, I think as uh, is, is a part of our heritage. And it will be a most miserable thing if we lose that heritage. We should not.
1: Thank you, Milind. I think these are wonderful words to close this podcast with. I also noticed that there are several other topics that we can definitely talk about and perhaps have other episodes on So thank you very much for your time. And I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I enjoyed asking you questions and listening to it.
0: Yeah, thank you very much. It was nice talking to you. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. you like the show and would like to share your experiences with the community or know someone else who might want to do that, please get in touch with us at podcast at pm-powerconsulting.com. That There is podcast at pm-powerconsulting.com.
1: Please rate the show on Podchaser, Stitcher, iTunes, or any other podcast client that you find us on. Please also share our episodes with your friends and others in your network. If you or anyone you know would like to be featured on our show, do write to us at this email address, podcasts at pm-powerconsulting.com.